This is the Truth Booth, and I am your host, Gordon Tamayo. Welcome to the spot where we go head to head with some of the most difficult conversations. We're talking about the type that sometimes can't even be discussed at the dinner table. We're not welcome in the institutional setting, or maybe can't even be discussed with the best friend. Everything from spirituality, sexuality, religion, politics, music, culture, family, and so much more. Get ready for some uncut and raw conversation that helps us get to the truth of the matter because we believe that the truth will set you free. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Truth Booth. I am your host, Gordy Tamayo, joined by none other than the esteemed Rod Mitchell here. Rod is a former actor, Christian filmmaker, and member of various unusual leading-edge ministries and an early discoverer of our guest, Frank Viola, and his books back in the mid-2000s. And so we're extremely excited to have this guest on board with us here today and Frank Viola. And in case you don't know who he is, Frank Viola is a conference speaker, blogger, and best-selling author. He helps serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so they can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. Viola's blog, frankviola.org, is regularly ranked in the top five of all Christian blogs on the web. And his podcast, Christ is All, reached number one in Canada and number two, in the U.S. on Apple Podcasts. Welcome, Frank. Thanks for joining us here on The Truth Booth. We're excited to have you. Oh, happy to be on, man. Good deal. Well, hey, uh, Rod, I know that you're extremely excited for this conversation, and yeah. Rod's done the, the lion's share of the heavy lifting on this. So I'm extremely excited mm-hmm. to get you uh, to jump on this and move forward on it. So go ahead, Rod, take it away. Just in case there's anyone, uh, any listeners who are not familiar with you, uh, you're an established thought leader in Christianity. You're known for your work on God's eternal purpose, the gospel of the kingdom, and the deeper Christian life. Then, in uh, early in 2008-2009, your early work focused on organic expression of the church and radical church restoration. During this period, you launched a four-part series of books called ReChurch that were highly influential. Could you get us started with a quick description of those books? Yes, sir. And I appreciate the kind words. So in 2008 and 2009, the ReChurch series launched. And the first book in that series was Pagan Christianity, co-authored by George Barna. And at the time, Barna was the most quoted Christian of our generation. So we teamed up and we wrote this book. And basically what the book does is it deconstructs our traditional church practices by exposing the roots behind them. And so it's more of a historical work. Um, We look at where the present day church practices came from, the church building, pews, a sermon every week, the office of the pastor, et cetera, et cetera. And we're asking a question, um, where did these things come from and are they a development from the first century church or are they a departure from it? And we leave that question to the reader. Now, here's the important thing about that book. That book was not a standalone volume. Mm -hmm. It was only the first part of of a conversation, right? And so what's Mm -hmm. happened, uh, gentlemen, is that many readers, a book has sold almost 200,000 copies. Many readers have only read that book and not gone on to the constructive sequels. And this has created problems. Mainly, they don't understand the argument. (laughs) 
uh, or they misinterpret or they misapply it. And um, and so consequently, this was only the first part of the conversation. It's sort of like hanging up the phone after 15 minutes of a three hour conversation is right. what that's like. And also, too, we didn't write it to pastors. We didn't write it to people who enjoy their Sunday morning church services. That's not the audience of this book. This book was mainly for people who either left the institutional church, but they didn't leave the Lord and they were wanting answers to questions or they were on their way out. So that's really the audience of the book. So that was the first one in the series. Then several months later, uh, actually eight months later, Reimagining Church came out. And that book was the first constructive sequel and what that book does is it reveals what the New Testament church was like, how they met, what their leadership was like, and how that can be recovered today. Because I wrote the book not out of uh, study only, but out of experience. And uh, one best-selling author summarized the book by saying, the author is at the top of his game, showing a serene, soaring mastery of the theology of church as organism rather than organization. So reimagining church envisions the church as an organism, and that's what I believe it was in the first century, and that's what I believe it is today when it's properly functioning. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that's the third book, the, the a second book. The third book is called From Eternity to Here, and uh, many have called this my magnum opus. This is the sweeping epic drama of God's eternal purpose from Genesis to Revelation. And there are two people at the center of it, Jesus Christ and his beloved bride, the Ecclesia. Mm. And uh, one author described it this way, a masterpiece, a must read for those who wish to see what the church is like in God's eyes. It reads like a movie on paper. Uh, So it's really written to the right brain, not only the left brain. And uh, Mm. it's a it's a good, clear look at what the eternal purpose of God is. uh, And that's the overarching uh, grand narrative of Scripture. Uh, And then the fourth book, the final book, gets into the hows, like how do we establish an organic expression of the church like the New Testament envisions. How are such churches maintained? If it's an organism, what are the diseases that it will uh, be prone to catch and how do we treat them? That last book is called Finding Organic Church, a Comprehensive Guide to Starting and Sustaining Authentic Christian Communities. It talks about how uh, the New Testament churches, the Ecclesias, were raised up in the first century, who planted them, uh, their qualifications and uh, how they operate uh, without uh, interference and the problems they, they're going to um, face and, and how they can be solved. So those are the four books in the research series. If anybody is radical on the edges and they want to see, OK, how did the New Testament Christians really meet? How does it all work? How can it be recovered today? Those are the books to read. If, on the other hand, you're a pastor, you like preaching every Sunday morning to your congregation. Uh, I work with pastors. I have no problem with pastors. Some of them have endorsed my books. 
especially my newer books, which, you know, are for all Christians. Uh, and if you're somebody who just, you love going to Sunday morning church service, listening to the sermon, praising the Lord with the worship team and going home and living your individual Christian life, then these books are not for you. All right. <laughs> it would be kind of like asking a meat eater to read a book about vegan recipes. OK, <laughs> you're the wrong audience for these books. You'll want to read my other books, uh, my newer books, which are for all Christians. Uh, in 2018, you released the book that we're here to discuss today, uh, mm -hmm. Insurgents Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. Start us off with an understanding, a, a kind of an overview of does it fit in the, is it part of the sequence of the four books, Rechurch? Is it an evolution of your thinking? Is it developing the ideas that you originally proposed in your first part of the series? Yeah, that's a good way to ask it. Well, what that book does, and of course that was written 10 years after these Rechurch books, is it takes the theme of the kingdom of God and the gospel that is mentioned. Both of those themes are mentioned in my earlier books, but this pulls the thread on both. It pulls the thread uh, of the gospel theme, and it pulls the thread of the kingdom of God theme, and it expands it into one very comprehensive book on the kingdom of God, specifically the gospel of the kingdom. I would not put it in terms of an evolution of my thinking. I think it would more better be described as an expansion of some of the themes that were in my earlier work. And this has nothing to do with those other books. We have people from all different denominations and all different church forms. We have many pastors, uh, many people who are, who are not pastors. Uh, some are in ministry, some aren't, who are reading and benefiting from this book. For So it's all, for all Christians who want to understand what on earth is the kingdom of God, and more particularly, what's the gospel of the kingdom? Because the gospel of the kingdom is the most powerful message in the New Testament. It is the very thing that shook the Roman Empire to its foundations. And that gospel, I believe, has been lost to us for the most part, and it's been replaced by other Gospels, <laughs> which are truncated and diluted. And so mm -hmm. what this book does, is it seeks to recover that enormous, comprehensive, powerful, high-octane, high-voltage Gospel of the Kingdom well, that Jesus preached and the Apostles preached. Right. Just to add another dimension to the existence of the book before we get more specific about it. How did it come about? How was it conceived? Is it some event of your life or or uh, did you just feel it was time to uh, take things further? Let's see. I would go back to the year 2010. And in 2010, I was working with a Christian community. And these were people who were totally sold out to the Lord. And early in the foundation of, of that church plant, I preached for the very first time in any comprehensive way, a message on the gospel of the kingdom. And when I finished, uh, you could hear a pin drop. It was explosive. Mm -hmm. What happened immediately after was the brothers and sisters decided that they would have a baptism mm -hmm. and they went out to a nearby ocean and they were baptized. Now, some of them had already been baptized, but they didn't really understand what it was. You mm -hmm. know, they just thought it was sort of like, an outward sign of an inward faith, kind of like an optional, you know, symbolic 
powerless <laughs> experience that you're supposed to do when you become a Christian. But right. for the first time, they realized that water baptism was the way that the first century Christian converts broke their loyalty oath to Caesar and Caesar's empire. Mm. And so I made that very practical and relative on what it meant. When you were baptized, you were going into death and you were cut, you were severing all ties with the world system, including the political system and every other system that was part of it. Yeah. And um, so they were all baptized. It was pretty amazing. And they had wonderful testimonies. Well, from 2010, that was the first time I shared that message in any comprehensive way. I had given a message about 10 years earlier on the gospel of the kingdom, but it was not as comprehensive. Anyway, fast forward to 2017, and all this time I had been reading everything I could on the kingdom of God to understand what the Lord had given other servants of God on the subject, and I tried to find everything I could on the gospel of the kingdom, and there was not whole, a whole lot, and there was precious few books that had been written on that subject, but I tried to scour everything I could because I didn't want to write a book that had already been written, and also I wanted to learn what others had uncovered you know, God doesn't give all his revelation to one person, you know, right. Um, and I don't have all of the insight into any topic, but God has, you know, had the body of Christ here for 2000 years. So I've looked right. at what others have said. And all that time I was coming into a greater depth, a greater understanding of the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom that went beyond what I had shared in 2010 and earlier, years earlier when I first shared it. It was not a different message. It was the same message, but it was on steroids because I had learned so much more. I held a conference in 2017 in Orlando, Florida. I mentioned it in the book, in the beginning of the book. And I gave eight messages on the gospel of the kingdom. I loaded both barrels and I fired away <laughs> uh, until I had nothing left. And uh, it was unreal. We had people who, how do I put it? It was like they were reborn again, again, you know, it's like they had a, they had a brand new encounter with Jesus Christ, even though they had been Christians before, but this took them to a whole new dim dimension. And after the third message I brought, people wanted to be baptized. What was fascinating is I never talked about uh, having an invitation to be baptized. I didn't say, hey, let's get baptized. <laughs> they were coming to the conference hosts and the people are putting on the conference and saying, we want to be baptized. So uh, at the end of the conference, we had uh, a baptism, a corporate baptism at the hotel where yeah. we we're having the conference. And it was pretty amazing because yeah. at that time, the pool was empty. And we had a lot of people show up and uh, yes. <laughs> people who aren't part of our conference and they were cheering and clapping. It was pretty amazing. Wow. Hearing this story told, it sort of highlights really the next kind of subject that we wanted to get into. When I read the book, uh, it, it, if I can say this, it, it has a, a, an interesting, a different mix of styles. Uh, there's times in the book when the style is analytical and thoughtful and kind of what you're used to you know, in Christian apologetics and so on. But there's another half of the book that has a completely different style, which I felt was intimate and personal and at times very challenging. So mm -hmm. uh, was this something that you 
that was an outgrowth of this experience? I mean, did you want to sort of connect with people in a very personal, intimate way? Great question. Uh, everything from the content to how I structured it, how I arranged it and how I wrote it was very deliberate. My goal, my goal was to present the gospel of the kingdom in a way that the average reader all the way uh, to the high school student could mm-hmm. uh, understand it, digest it, consume it on a spiritual level and a mental level and an emotional level and actually take action on it all the way up to high voltage scholars for them to be able to read it and gain something spiritual from it. And that's the exact uh, effect it had. The Lord saw, uh, he, he favored us in that he blessed it to where we've had high school students say it absolutely revolutionized their lives. And I've had scholars tell me that they had never seen before a lot of the insights in the book on the kingdom of God, and some of them endorsed it. So that was that was one intention. That's one of the reasons why I kept the chapters very short, because you can go through it very quickly. On the other hand, there's six parts to the book, and they all do different things, but all together they form a whole. So there's a lot of content, even though the chapters are short and easy to read. The other thing about it is I wrote the book based on a narrative reading of the kingdom of God from Genesis to Revelation in chronological order, opposed to a topical reading. The typical way we are fed information from either authors or speakers is we're given topical a topical presentation, you know, and it's analytical and it's point A, point B, point C. Well, what I did here, you'll be able to see it if you look at it closely, but it's behind the scenes. I took the theme of the kingdom and traced it from Genesis to Revelation. That the first yeah. mention of the kingdom is in the book of Genesis, but it doesn't have to do with the kingdom of God. It has to do with the kingdom of Babel. It has to do mm-hmm. with Babylon. It has to do with the world system. So there's a whole okay. section on the world system, and that's where all that came from. Um, and you see that developed in the New Testament, and you have this traumatic war going on between Babylon and, and Jerusalem. And mm-hmm. that's a picture uh, of the battle that goes on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Human beings, as well as God's people, are in the middle of that battle. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the book sh- sh- throws a whole lot of light on the kingdom. The discoveries I made in writing this book were things I'd never seen before after being a Christian for many, many years and mm-hmm. listening to you know s- scholars and theologians on the kingdom. And so it really does present the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom in a fresh way. Uh, we're used to thinking of the kingdom as heaven off in the distance. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not used to thinking, or many of us, let's just say, aren't used to thinking of living, breathing, and walking in the kingdom here in this life on earth. Right. And one of the things that I think is just so great is the way that you highlight the world system the two uh, false versions of the gospel, which you elaborate on and so on, uh, so that we can begin to get a sense for what the warfare and the choosing and the work and the labor really is. I, I, I don't know this, and I, this would be a, a follow-up question because you touched on this, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, that uh, this book has facilitated actual encounters uh, with Jesus, with the Spirit, with God, and so on, 
Are there is there more in that realm in that area that you could share with us so that people can get a notion of what they might experience when they're reading the book? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I strategically created the book to have the six parts, all of which have short chapters that are easy to read and digest. But those six parts are all followed by a section called Taking Action. And the Taking Action section, what that does is it gives practical exercises for the reader to follow through with so that everything they have just read will become a living experience in their life rather than this is just another book I read. Let me, you know, tick the box, got another one in the, in the, in the hopper. Let me put it on my bookshelf. I'm done with that. Most of the time when readers do that, they forget what's in the book and it doesn't become part of their life. So I wanted readers to be altered, to have their life riveted and mm-hmm. changed by this mm-hmm. book. And so the taking action sections, they're after every section of the book, all six parts. And the testimonials I've had from readers have gone from the breaking of addictions in their life. In wow. one of the sections on the kingdom, there's a, a part about addictions. And I give them a recipe for breaking an addiction that goes way beyond pray and read your Bible and get some friends to help you. It's very Mm -hmm. practical and it's worked in the lives of many, many people. So that's one area of testimonial is addictions broken. Another one is having a newfound joy in Christ from living in the kingdom. There is joy attached to the kingdom of God. uh, Paul says it in Romans 14, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy spirit, the King. And he links that with the kingdom. Another one is the cure for lukewarmness. There have been Christians who have read the book that read it in a lukewarm state, and they were immediately cured from it after reading it. It jarred something. It uh, awakened their spiritual instincts and their love for Christ. Another one is I give a recipe for starting a kingdom cell, uh, which is not exactly a church because you only need two or three. And so kingdom cells have been created. Uh, they're the analog to the sleeper cells that the terrorists you know, have. Um, but these kingdom cells have cropped up all over the world. And people are having rich face-to-face fellowship with Jesus Christ, the king, in these small groups in these kingdom cells. And so that's been a real big uh, shift that people have had. But many people were touched by... One of the chapters where I unveil the where I unveil the king's beauty and to be able to be put in the situations in the first century and in the gospels where you're the character. So instead of Jesus healing a blind person or touching the woman with an infirmity or um, saving the woman who was just about to get stoned because she was caught in the act of adultery, you're put in that position. You're the woman or you're the man who Jesus has touched and healed or delivered or rescued. And it's really helped a lot of believers to connect their life with the Christ that's revealed in the New Testament. Who is who is the Christ who is on the throne today and who lives in us by the Spirit? So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's been a lot of testimonials along those lines. Those are just some examples. People are going to want to know where they can go and get more inter- information and, and, and all that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the supplemental podcast. 
that you've set up and the website and all that sort of thing. So people get a sense of what sort of resources you've provided for people. So it's theinsurgents.org. It's just uh, insurgents.org. Just one okay. word, insurgents.org. Okay. They can also go to my website, frankviola.org, and they can find that book as well as the other books. And the two podcasts are on there. The one podcast we're talking about is the Insurgents podcast. And that's okay. a supplement to the book. Um, I have six different conversation partners. Uh, the late Michael Heiser was one of them. Uh, who some of your listeners may know who he is. We've done episodes together in person. And what we're doing right now in the early part of the podcast, we're over 100 episodes. We answered questions from readers about the kingdom, about the gospel of the kingdom, about applying it, some theological questions. But uh, ever since the 90th something episode, I, I think it was after the 90th 7th, Around there, we have been going through every single reference to the kingdom of God in the New Testament chronologically, and we're treating every single reference. We're talking about it. We're unearthing, unmining the riches in those passages, some of which are very challenging. And so that's going to be something we're going to continue until we get to the book of Revelation and we finish the last mention of the kingdom. So that's been a great supplement. Thank you again. We really enjoyed the time. Absolutely. 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 Thank you, Frank, for your time today. Everybody else that's tuning in, listening here. Again, you've tuned in to The Truth Booth featuring Frank Viola. I'm Gordon Tamayo, Rod Mitchell. We'll catch you next time.